Thanks for listening to the Dakota Town Hall Podcast, a political podcast focusing on Western South Dakota. Brought to you by the Home Slice Media Group and Elevate Rapid City. City Council Questions. Please introduce yourself and tell us what you are running for. Well, hello, I'm Jason Solomon. I'm a candidate for City Council in Ward 3, serving Southwest Rapid City. Uh, thanks for joining me today. I'm, have, I'm glad to have the opportunity to visit with you and share a little bit about my priorities. Um, if you go to my website at electjason.org, you'll notice I use three words quite frequently, people, place, and possibility. Uh, those are the priorities of why I'm running. I uh, believe in putting people first, helping Rapid City be the best place possible, and certainly to pursue all possibilities that we have uh, from now and into the future. So I have some questions here that I'm told to, to uh, ask uh, myself. So I'm going to interview myself and you're going to hear me uh, do this. So the first question is this, what can the city do so that people can find affordable housing? It's a great question. Uh, during my previous term on city council, I ran from 2016 to 2019. Uh, we often dealt with housing issues. And one thing that, that really surprised me was the outcome of a particular housing study uh, that was done by the Black Hills Knowledge Network, now known as Benchmark. Uh, the study determined that uh, we thought we didn't have enough houses in the middle incomes, um, but actually it turned out we didn't have enough housing and the other uh, portions of that. So we didn't have enough kind of premium high-end housing, and we don't have enough, of course, low-income, uh, what we would call affordable housing uh, or workforce housing, but instead a lot of us fall in this middle category. So we've all worked on this assumption over the years that we needed more housing in this category. But what has happened is the deficiency in low-income housing and perhaps in higher-income housing, they have uh, kind of taken over the middle market. And so one thing that we can do, surprisingly, to help affordable housing is to, is to have housing that are for higher incomes, uh, people that can afford that, people beyond my, my pay group. Pay, uh, pay grade, uh, that frees up some inventory in the middle uh, that obviously allows some of the folks who may be taking up lower income housing to maybe move up to something that's more appropriate. Uh, the other thing I think to do is for the city to use common sense. Whenever we are approaching housing situations, there was one particular situation where there was an apartment uh, structure that was going to be built uh, near the family thrift center on the east side. And uh, it was a close vote, but it ended up uh, going down because the, the road across from, from it, I believe it was Creek Drive, didn't quite align with the road that was proposed. And so in order to make it all fit, it would have made it cost prohibitive. I think we could have used a little common sense in that particular situation and allowed that to happen. We would have had a whole bunch of apartments in a right next to a grocery store near some public transportation and uh, in a really just a great uh, thoroughfare for someone who's in a workforce housing situation. So definitely need to do all that we can to help with low-income housing. Uh, a lot of that means using common sense and also just understanding that all housing affects one another. There's a domino effect. Uh, what more can the city do to help, re to help its residents with mental and addiction needs? Uh, no doubt about it, this is a rising issue in our culture. Uh, I will tell you that two big things that we always need to look at are treatment and prevention. Uh, on the treatment side, I'm, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to help invest in the CARE Campus along with the 
Pennington County in order to serve those who, who really need that help most, uh, obviously with addiction needs, but uh, mental health comes into play there, as does some homelessness. Obviously, uh, those are often intertwined, but mental health goes much broader uh, than just our homeless population. It is people that you and I know and you and I care about. In fact, all of us have health. We have emotional health, mental health, physical health, uh, spiritual health, all you know, we all have health. So we all have to take care of our mental health. And we're all noticing right now in the midst of this pandemic that anxieties rise a little bit more collectively uh, that, and that we have to do things to make sure that we are all taking care of our mental health. Um, so it goes to show you that all of us, um, it's part of everybody. I think a big uh, component of this is the fact that we need to address preventative measures um, within terms of in terms of addiction and and mental health if possible. What I mean by that is this, uh, education at younger ages. When I was a kid, we had a program called the D.A.R.E. program. A police officer would come into our classroom and tell us not to do drugs, and, and uh, it was mocked a lot. Um, but for many of us, it worked. It actually worked. I actually have my certificate to this day. But the ongoing education about about what addiction does and not to even do it in the first place, as well as, you know, supporting families and, and young people at, at an early age, having love and belonging in their home does so much good. It doesn't prevent everything, uh, but it does do a lot of good. And so understanding that there are prevention things that we can do, um, just as a society, maybe not the government can't impose that on you. We can just make laws that say it's illegal, you know, to buy and sell drugs. Um, but I think also in treatment, uh, it's better to treat someone with mental health and with addiction issues as they are. Uh, often today, how, how we choose to deal with them is through a like criminals. We have one state hospital for mental health in Yankton, and so we ship uh, folks to that hospital if they're needed. It would be great to see something like that here, West River. Uh, and so I passed, uh, along with my colleagues, a resolution when I was on city council urging the state to explore uh, perhaps a state hospital uh, serving uh, mental health uh, patients. So definitely a great question. Uh, Three, do you think the city should go from Dylan's rule to home rule? What do you see as the advantages, advantages of each? Well, I have noticed that this committee that was put together uh, by the mayor of the council have some amazing people, and I certainly will respect and uh, be open to their findings. They are going to spend considerable amount of time exploring this issue, uh, I'm and I'm grateful for them doing that. Going to home rule, uh, I guess the two big questions I would ask is, what problem are we, are we trying to solve by going to home rule? And will there be any issues that we create by doing so? Uh, I'm open to it, if it makes sense. Uh, Sioux Falls does this right now. Uh, I like the idea of, of having a little bit of flexibility in what we can do. Um, I've been a, a proponent of maintaining that we have a strong mayor uh, form of government with a council, uh, but this may allow us to have perhaps eight council seats where five are from each ward and maybe three at large. Uh, and also we could hire maybe a city administrator that could be consistent between administrations. Um, but I do remain open uh, to the concept. And I like the, the, the reason I like a strong mayor is just because I like us being able to choose our leader. And also for the fact that uh, there's direct access between the mayor and the staff and, and that working relationship can, can function very well. Um, but I do remain open because new information as we go on um, will certainly uh, be helpful in making a decision. Next question. 
Uh, what changes should the city do to cover the expected shortfall in revenue due to COVID-19? Well, we're already seeing this. Uh, in fact, today's headline, uh, or yesterday's headline, we saw that the mayor has already proposed a reduction of uh, nearly 12% in the city's budget for this year. They are exploring what 2021's budget is going to look like. Every year, we should reevaluate our budget and base it on needs. And then and then go on from there. And so I, this year is no different. There are essential services that the city offers that we have to maintain, fire, police, uh, water, sewer, uh, these kind of services that, that we do are, are, are critical, uh, road maintenance, infrastructure. Uh, those obviously will get higher priority and then you go down the list. Um, doesn't mean th other things are not important, but sometimes just a like in our family budget, we have to make decisions. I know my family income has taken a hit during this time. So we've had to make better decisions. Uh, do we need this, but do we have to pay that? And that, that's something that families have to do. And that's obviously something that we as a government have to do as well. Next question. Uh, what criteria or measurements do you think the city should use to allow a freer business environment or to reestablish restrictions because of COVID-19? Uh, let me say this to the existing council and the mayor and all those all those making decisions at all levels of government, really. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it would be fair for me to armchair quarterback uh, all of the decisions they've made because it's been a moving target, no doubt about it. Here, here's my perspective. I think that... Um, the whole point of things like quarantining, social distancing is to flatten the curve, meaning we don't want to overwhelm our hospital systems and create even greater issues. And, and that was the point. Uh, the point isn't to stop the spread. We may not be able to. We haven't been able to stop the flu. We can treat some flu-like symptoms that we eventually may have a vaccine. Uh, but the whole point of all of this is to flatten that curve. And so I think when we have data that's presented and it should be presented every time we make a decision uh, with regards to business restrictions. Data should be presented from Monument Health and perhaps the State Department of Health uh, to the council and the public that are watching to make sure here's the criteria that we're basing this decision off of. Are we going to overwhelm the hospital system? If it's a yes, then those restrictions are probably appropriate if, if that's a great potential. If it's a no, then I think we have to ease up the business restrictions so our economy can keep moving. And it's a, it's a tough balancing act, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't think anybody's uh, totally had this figured out and we've learned a lot over the last couple of months, but uh, definitely it's about flattening the curve. We can't stop the spread. We can slow the spread. Uh, that's important. It is real. We should take it seriously. At the same time, we need to do everything we can to keep our economy going. So you got to turn the dials wherever it's needed um, and uh, and base it on data. You know, And I think that's really the big idea here is how do we make decisions? And I, just to let you know, I make decisions uh, fueled by facts, uh, driven by reason, and within the guardrails of the Constitution. And so when you're making a decision on city council, uh, that's what a lot of our decisions are driven by. No different in this situation. Uh, let's see. Next question. In this current business environment, do you think there should be any changes to the plans for the mixed-use facility for the corner of 5th and St. Joe? Well, you know, I'm not sure what the latest update is with the developer there in the city. Uh, I do know the plans are exciting. Definitely want to see uh, that area uh, developed into something uh, remarkable. Uh, I'm going to say this. Now is a, not the time to stop economic development efforts. Now is the time to pursue them. It's, 
it's really easy to say in our priorities, uh, we have to stop our spending, don't do this, don't do that. And that is true. Many things you have to press pause on. One thing we don't press pause on for our future is, is pursuing economic growth. And so whether it's developing a piece of property or whether it is uh, continuing to partner with Elevate Rapid City or to... Um, to continue to see Ascent Innovation take life, those those sort of efforts that we have, and us just being an attractive place to live, work, and enjoy life, that that cannot stop. So my, my thinking is uh, when it's economic development related, we have to keep going after it because that's going to be what pays the bills. Um, we're going to have a shortfall in revenue, and there's only a couple of ways that a city can get revenue, and that is increasing taxes, increasing fees, or increasing the pie, uh, meaning the economic pie of our community. More people that are spending here, the more that we bring in. And that's what I like to see is just more people being able to spend. And that comes from buying homes and cars and shopping, uh, obviously. Uh, and just you know, we have great tourism industry and, and supporting our agricultural community as well, because that's a number one driver uh, of our local economy. So, yeah, this particular project, I'd love to see it come to life. Uh, I haven't heard an update in a while. I would, I would need to know uh, the specifics, but it really kind of is representative of uh, what I think we need moving forward. Next question. What are your one or two priorities you would like to accomplish during your time on city council? Well, let me get real specific. Uh, it says one or two. Uh, one I would like to, to see is... We have been, uh, when I was on city council, we were given kind of the vision from our police chief, Carl Jagaris, that we really needed to pursue a west side precinct. Uh, the reason is half our population is over there and we have um, some uh, topographical challenges with the idea that we can only access the west side through a couple of areas. So the response times uh, could be a challenge at times. Um, so one thing he has asked us to do when I was on city council was to start to consider uh investing in a west side precinct uh, for the police department. Uh, I think in the next three years, that is something we need to explore now. Uh, it's becoming, uh, as we continue to grow, it's becoming more and more important. And so uh, that'll be something I look at, whether it's uh, partnering with another entity in order to build that precinct somewhere, or um, diverting those dollars in our CIP budget to make sure that that happens so that we can ensure that we have great response time to all of our community. Secondly is uh, when I was, as I was leaving city council, uh, we were able to secure funding for the fire department to, to focus on future planning of their facilities. So um, the big thing is downtown, uh, Fire Station One had some major needs. And so we wanted to, to do something about that because when you tour it, you realize that our, our firefighters and EMTs, they deserve better. And uh, so we wanted to make sure we got funding so they can start the planning process for that. Well, uh, part of that includes looking at all of your other stations and realizing how everything fits together. And so uh, what I would like to do is see what the results are from that plan and see if there are any investments that we need to make within our fire department to ensure we have uh, stations uh, placed strategically in our community. And if there are updates that are needed to existing ones that we need to invest in those, uh, that's, those are, those are big deal. Police and fire are essential services. And that now is not the time that we want to uh, short out on that, especially when we're talking about the next several years, which is what this term is for. So definitely police and fire, uh, 
and their needs are big, a big deal to me. And the final question, uh, what do you bring to the city council as far as experience and special skills to make this a better place to live? Uh, well, I'm pretty fortunate. You know, I, I moved here at age 11 from Texas, and I left when I joined the Air Force uh, after high school. And uh, after my service in the Air Force was up, uh, my wife and I decided to return to Rapid City to raise our family and build our life. And, you know, I'm one of those who had the luxury of living other places, but also calling this place home. And having those deep roots has always been um, wonderful for me. That's why I love this community. That's why I want to serve it. It's because it's home. It's, it's, it's given me the home I always wanted and uh, a place that I chose to raise my family. Uh, my military experience has been very, very helpful, but also uh, my business experience. I've been an executive uh, for Black Hills Federal Credit Union. I worked there for 12 years. I've uh, also worked in a Fortune 500 where I worked in branding and HR and uh, training and development. Um, even sold advertising for a while. You know, I've had a lot of different jobs, but I would say my my business leadership experience over the last, especially the last 15 years, uh, 15 to 20 years has, has been crucial. And that's one of the things I bring to the table is I've worked in the private sector uh, all of my life, except for my time in the military. Uh, but since then, the last 20 years, been in the private sector, worked in high executive positions where I've had to make very difficult decisions and also strategic decisions to help a place grow. Everywhere I've ever been, and you can ask folks who've worked with me. Everywhere I've ever been, I, I believe I left it better than I found it. That's true in my career. I believe that's true during my three years on city council. I think if you look at what we accomplished during that time, uh, it's been tremendous. We were able to get things done, like bring ride sharing to Rapid City, Lyft and Uber. Um, that wasn't there before I was on city council. It's there now. Uh, we were able to get Ascent Innovation off the ground. And if you go by the post office downtown today, you're going to see this structure being built and new ideas are going to come out of that uh, that are going to hopefully bring jobs to Rapid City. And when you bring jobs, you bring opportunities to people and you, you provide resources to families. And that's so important. Uh, we were able to get that done. A lot of folks talk about the arena, uh, the fact that we're going to have a new arena. The reason that's important is because of what it draws here. Uh, we were definitely able to get quite a bit done. We were also able to do things like One Heart. Uh, we've invested in, in One Heart and it's still... Uh, under construction, but the services that are going to be provided there, I think are going to be a game changer for our community. So we've invested a lot. And now's the time to see those things through. Um, that's one of my commitments. If I serve on city council is a lot of the things that we got started, we have to see it. Well, if we've invested in it, then we need to make sure we get the best return on that investment. Uh, so that business experience, uh, does a lot of good. And just the fact that, um, you know, I'm approachable. I, I definitely want to bring a fresh voice uh, to the city council. I want to make sure that, that we are the best place possible, uh, as do most everybody else who's running. I understand that. But uh, it would be my honor to serve you. And that's all I want to do. I want to serve Rapid City to help Rapid City uh, be the best place possible. And so on June 2nd, I ask for your vote if you live in Ward 3 in Southwest Rapid City. And if you're watching this and you don't live in that area, I ask for you to encourage your friends and family who do uh, to consider me uh, to serve on city council once again. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, if you want to discover more about me, go to electjason.org. I'm also on Facebook, social medias, you know, all of that. Uh, just reach out. Take care. Blessings to you all. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Dakota Town Hall Podcast, a political podcast focusing on Western South Dakota. Brought to you by the Home Slice Media Group and Elevate Rapid City.